Hello, and welcome to the Minnesota Moderate Podcast, where our mission is to revive, reconnect, and redefine Minnesota's independent and moderate political, political community. My name is Bradley Sheppy, your host and City of Minnetonka Council Member. Today, we welcome Victor Martinez. Uh, Victor ran for Minneapolis City Council Ward 5, um, falling short in an almost three-way tie that was sorted out via ranked choice voting. Um, where Jeremiah Ellison, the incumbent, uh, prevailed. He's been a pastor at the New Generation Church in North Minneapolis for many years. And he's a graduate of Patrick Henry High School in North Minneapolis and has devoted a lot of his time to working with youth in the North Minneapolis area, including financial literacy work and other addiction work. So welcome to the podcast, Victor. Hey, Bradley, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and listening to your stuff. And uh, it's, it's good. I like it. I like it. People should listen to, to your stuff more. Well, I, pre- I appreciate the, uh, the positive um, feedback. Uh, I just thought I would throw it out briefly, you know, why Victor and, and why Victor is here. So one, one brief monologue is that I'm on social media. I'm a local politician and I, and I try to follow the issues. And, and I might quite honestly have had multiple generations of my family live in Minneapolis going back to great grandparents before 1900. Um, and I myself lived and purchased and uh, improved two duplexes in a house. I was on a neighborhood association board in Lowry Hilly. So I, Minneapolis is a part of me, even though I'm in Minnetonka now. And during this last fall's election, um, uh, an existing city of Minneapolis council member uh, used their influence on social media to effectively attack Victor Martinez for holding an issue that's personal to him outside of the mainstream of the Democratic Party um, and in, in no uncertain terms, basically attacking him. It's, this podcast is not going to empower that person by naming that person. But the point is, is that that drew me into Victor and to learn about him. And I learned a lot about um, here's a guy outside of the mainstream trying to who's been working for a long time with his community, trying to bring new ideas. And um, it, it, it created a connection. I reached out and and here we are, Victor. Awesome. I'm so, glad it goes to show that sometimes even unfair things can lead to fair good things. Glasses half full. So we're, we're going to start our episode with our standard thankful. And so, um, which is a concept we have here at Minnesota Moderate Podcast to do an icebreaker, start the issue and the podcast positive. And today, I, it's very brief. I'm just going to say I'm thankful that Victor ran for office um, and shared his, uh, his story and ideas with his neighbors. Um, just from my perspective, we just have very few people who are running for local offices who are outside of the more partisan world, um, or perhaps recruited by one of the two parties. And so just to see someone not only run for office, but to put as much um, time and energy as Victor did is is impressive. So thank you, Victor. How about you? What are you thankful for today? Well, I've been running, uh, I ran for city council for almost 11, uh, 12 months. And <laughs> uh, it feels like a blur. And obviously, when you're running, it really takes a lot of time away from your family. And so I feel like I, I lost a good chunk of uh, you know family time with my children. And so this past month after the election, I've been just really giving them a lot of time, a, a lot of energy. 
And so yesterday I took them out to the Mall of America and let them Fun. buy something they wanted. And 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 so uh, <laughs> I ate food that I shouldn't be eating because they wanted to eat it, you know. And so uh, I regretted yeah. it later. And and, and but yeah. uh, in terms of eating that food, but you know, spending time with my children, uh, yeah. you know, they go they grow up so fast, and just being able to be there, make memories with them, mm-hmm. and uh, forgetting about the world's problems uh, was a yeah. yesterday. That's great. I saw I saw a quick uh, reference on social media on Twitter where someone referenced there's these these great time in life where our kids are old enough to know their grandparents and our grandparents and our parents, our grandparents are healthy enough to enjoy that time with them. And it's a true golden few years that uh, we need. I think we lose track of. So um, I'm glad to hear that you're you're connecting and enjoying that time. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So uh, we're going to pivot into the subject matter of today's episode. And to, re- to refresh for everyone, the, the audience and the subject matter and the people who are on the podcast, they themselves are not necessarily a moderate. The whole idea is the audience. The audience are people who are moderates, Republicans, Democrats, or independents. And we are the ones who are asking questions of people who are running for office, who are active in their communities, so we can learn from them and learn about, you know, what's the true direction of our communities and what are the needs of our communities through conversation, not just, you know, 280 character tweets, but just really learn from people and communities. So, Victor, how about you just educate our audience a little bit about yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah. So I tell people uh, I was made in Mexico, born in California and raised <laughs> in Minnesota. And just to kind of point out a little bit of the dysfunctional upbringing, you know, I moved every year of my life until I was 25. In wow. fact, until, I, until I bought this house I'm currently in for the last 10 yeah. years. And um, so I know what it is to you know, be homeless. I know what it is to be, uh, you know, section eight, uh, um, you know, on food stamps and, wow. uh, you know, all those things, you know, and, and you know, bought the t-shirt. So, uh, that's really who I am. Uh, I liked, uh, you know, I was born in California, San Diego, Escondido, California, which is a suburb of San Diego. And I, I stayed here in Minnesota. I had early on, I had a chance like, Hey, I want to go back to home. Cause that's what I know, but I love the seasons here. Uh, I love the change. I, I love the, the small town feeling, but yet it's a, it's a, it's a city. It has those amenities and uh, I love Minneapolis. I love North Minneapolis and I, I love Minnesota. I think it's a unique place and, and uh, I found my home here. So I stayed here Awesome. 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Tell us about uh, your family. It's like uh, your family you live with, even if it's extended family. Yeah. My family's pretty small. My, most of my extended families in Mexico, so but when I married my wife she has a huge family and they're all here in the Twin Cities and so uh, the holidays went from like you know my mom and my siblings to 60 people every (laughs) holiday and my house getting tore up and you know the railing on my my staircase being ripped off a couple of times because the kids just hang on it we have a lot of young kids uh, in the Latino community overall is very young here in Minnesota yeah, my wife's side of the family and my family are no exceptions. Uh, I think we have more children under the age of ten than than adults, and so yeah, uh, they, they, they destroy homes on the holidays. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, I, Cheerios and man, I a lot of vacuuming. Um, 
I get it. I get it. I have two. Back I mean, I whiz, man. I, it's more like patch jobs, man. Patch jobs. <laughs> man, yeah. I, yeah, it's, I, I think, yeah, that, that's a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, per, just think about it. Like, the average Latino family has three kids per home. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, we're one of the highest rates in the country. And so think about that. Three kids versus, like, in the kind of the white community has one or two. Yeah. And so the African Americans maybe a little bit under three. And so uh, we have a there's a lot of little kids everywhere. And when yeah. you bring the family together, it's I, I had a friend of mine that's Caucasian, a white guy, married to a Latina, and they only got two kids, but I invited them over to a birthday party and they saw how many <laughs> kids were here. They were literally on the wall like this, like <laughs> and they were just I was like, Oh my gosh, watching back and forth the whole yeah. time. And it was it was interesting. Yeah. Well, tell us about North Minneapolis. So I mean, again. What we're really trying to do is, is learn about communities across Minnesota, and you're our first uh, guest who truly has roots in North Minneapolis, and a lot of us are just, you know, we read the Star Tribune, or we don't live in North Minneapolis, or we just, we only know about crime, so tell us just about the people, like the, who lives there, and their needs, and who they are. Yeah, this community is very, very diverse. Uh, I haven't seen the latest census in numbers, but um, uh, it's about maybe 38% African-American and about 40%, um, uh, 38% white, but everything else is mixed uh, between Hmong, Somali, and Latinos here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everybody thinks it's kind of only one way town, but it's, it's actually pretty diverse uh, area here in, uh, on the north side. Um, there's a lot of lack of amenities, of, of, but it, it provides the, the area has a lot of cookie cutter, not cookie cutter homes, but a, like certain parts of the neighborhood, like the houses all look kind of the same, right? Yep. And, and they're all like one, like either one floor and in an attic, or they're like, you know, they have a lot of pattern to them. Yep. So when you go down the street, it looks nice because there's patterns, the trees, mm-hmm. the yards, the fencing, you know, it all kind yep. of, it feels good. And so when you come here, I had to get my guy from, uh, uh, Virginia come over and he and and when he saw he what he thought what the news showed him over there he thought this was like a crime written round down community yeah. like every yeah. house with a with a with a plywood on it yeah. you know like he thought that and when yeah. I was drawn through my neighborhood he was like there's no reason why this community should be dealing with crime like this there's no this is yeah. a beautiful place and even that was me even I'll be honest with you when I came from California we went to St. Paul first yep. Chaska, Shakopee and then St. Paul and when I thought of Minneapolis, especially North, I thought it was like shootings every corner, like ducking your head. All, like I was really scared of North Minneapolis. And so when yeah. I ended up living here, I'm like, this isn't like what the news has been showing me. This is not what I thought it was. Yeah. So there's a lot of misconception of like that. Oh, my goodness. It's really bad. Now, obviously, there's some bad parts in our, uh, our corridor. And, and for mm-hmm. the most part, if you if you don't mess with the wrong group of people, uh, you use some common sense, uh, you, you should be yeah. fine. Uh, but the reality is uh, uh, some parts of our community, you kind of stay away from. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit more than about North Minneapolis, about um, how you specifically so tell us a little bit more about your your how you're involved with youth. Yeah. So I'm, I've always I was a youth pastor for 10 years and, and the last uh, eight years I've been a lead pastor. And so I've always believed in the old um, adage that they say it's easier to raise up strong children than it is to fix broken people. And so if you can save a young person um, 
in their you know 13 14 15 16 years old you you help them set up for success for the rest of their life and oftentimes um the african-americans native latinos here in north minneapolis we historically since i've been here um we do the worst in school and so uh, i always had a desire to do work around education and, and financial literacy later on is kind of mm -hmm. where i put my focus on because our young people they need money and they don't know how to handle money and then when they turn 18 uh, they make really bad decisions and so it sets them up really bad but i uh, figured the more we educate them with these basic in this basic information that uh sadly they don't get because it's not passed down from generation to generation most people in the latino community you know they come uh, in Minnesota, they're they're kind of the more the poor or lower income folks in Mexico are the ones that make the migration here to North to Minneapolis. Yeah, because maybe the winter, and so they don't have that lineage of like, hey, you know, my parents were doctors, lawyers. Yeah, my parents had a bit. You know, they don't come from that. They come from like, you know, they they didn't finish junior high. Uh, they got pregnant yeah. maybe really young, or they they yeah. had to work, you know, really early in their life, and so those are their kids here. Mm -hmm. And so they don't know. And so being able to empower them and educating them um, around these basic uh, information, um, even just helping them graduate, right? Like giving them resources and encouraging them where to get money and where to get uh, resources for college. Uh, that's kind of where I've been putting my energy in terms of working with youth in the community here. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the Latino community particularly is very young. And so if you don't help build them up now, uh, the next 10 years, uh, it's going to be harder for them. And that's all through what the, the new generation church. Is that right? Yeah. So our, for, our church has always been the first, second generation Latinos here. Uh, Latinos that are interracially married, for example, and, uh, that, you know, they're kind of in two worlds, right? They're in the English speaking world, but then their families, you know, has a Hispanic yeah. culture in them. And so just being able to create a space for them here uh, in Minneapolis is kind of where my, where my heart's been at. Uh, we have a few couples that are, you know, Latina married with an African-American uh, guy uh, or uh, married with a white person, you know, things like that. And yeah. so uh, there's not very many churches that do that um, in, in, in Minneapolis. And so uh, I saw that as my need. Um, obviously, being in North Minneapolis, I have a, a very diverse block. I have Hmong, Somali, African-Americans, um, LGBT uh, members here on my block. Like we all get along with each other. Yeah. Uh, we all, you know, for the most part, talk to each other, <laughs> Yeah. you know, uh, but uh we're really united and everybody's different. Everybody's background is different. And, but we all want real basic things here on our block. Yeah. We want to be safe. We want to be, uh, have our kids go outside. And so uh, those needs are pretty basic. I, I've served on the NERC board here in North Minneapolis, which is uh, Minneapolis largest community organization. And just to be able to ensure those basic things about like, Hey, can we get our streets clean? Can we yeah. make sure our neighbors that are causing a lot of the garbage to like tidy up a little bit, um, getting them some lighting, you know, some real basic stuff is kind of where, for my energy in terms of just That's the rest great. of the community. And so how are you seeing a lot of the conversation of the oxygen has been around crime, but outside of crime for a minute, I mean, what, what, what do you believe after knocking on tons and tons of doors are like the, the unmet needs of the community in North Minneapolis outside bit, of safety yeah. for the moment? I, I've been here 20 years and I met, I've met people that have been here 40, 50 years. And they said, Victor, we've been asking for the same thing since 1967. And that's opportunities and jobs here on the North side. Yep. Uh, we have uh, West Broadway is the only official business corridor in the city of Minneapolis serving 80,000 people. And it's probably, it is the worst business corridor, uh, a good, um, 
half half the buildings are probably empty or not even yeah. utilized very well. And so those are the things I've been asking when the when the, on the uprising and rioting happened in 1967, uh, the federal government came down here, the city came down here, like, what does the African American community need? And they said, you know what the number one thing they said? They said opportunities and jobs. Yeah. So then move forward 40, 50, 60 years, they're asking for the same exact same thing. So when I go to the door, you know, people want to, you know, obviously safety, but they want to help with our youth. We have the highest concentration of youth in the state of Minnesota. Think about that. 35% of North Minneapolis is under 18, 35%. Wow. Wow. And so youth and, and, the, and uh, rehabbing West Broadway, getting those opportunities back. That's our main business corridor. And that's what everybody kept bringing up. So that, yeah. that became my, my thing at the door. Hey, rehab West Broadway, help yeah. our youth and, and, and everybody just related to that, you know, and it was yeah. just, uh, the, the regular everyday person was like, yes, that's all we want. That's all we Thank want you for sharing. I mean, <laughs> I, I, Victor and I connect at a deep level here. My, my grandfather used to run an optometry business on, um, West Broadway and Penn where before the strip center was there. And I vividly remember to this day in mid eighties where they broke, they tore through the tar roof into the business, the optometry business, and tried to basically go through a five-foot brick wall into the, uh, the the neighboring jewelry store business. Essentially, just a victim of unfortunate crime, right? His whole store was destroyed. It was Thanksgiving. And just those things that repeat themselves over time, the 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 the, the continued crime is it, it just is a deterrent to move elsewhere. He ultimately moved out, moved his business to Osseo from North Minneapolis, even though he wasn't ready to retire yet. So, uh, man, I just, I feel for you because that was the mid eighties and you guys are, you know, it's still decades after that. And it's the same story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and by me meeting leaders and people that have been around for, for years, and hearing from them what they think is the issue. Like, why does every other part of Minneapolis seem to turn the corner um, and other parts of the country? Like, think about it this way. When we came from California, uh, Los Angeles, uh, San Diego, I mean, Escondido, um, uh, they used to, th th those are places that have bars on their windows, okay? Bars like this, yeah. okay? <laughs> and the windows. Yeah. And Minneapolis was like pretty decent. But for some reason, Los Angeles, Escondido especially, has just turned the corner. They're doing so much better per capita in terms of crime. And Minneapolis is like up there in the top two, three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, there's, a re there's a reason people are like, oh, it's just, it's, 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 it's racism. You know what I think? I really believe it's the division. And, and, and the white supremacy. And you know what? It was interesting. Uh, I used to think white supremacy was only kind of a right thing, you know, but yeah. there's a left thing too, because when, when people think that people of color want this, they'll, they'll push it on the community, but it doesn't work because that's not what they wanted. Right. Yeah. And so there's Tell us more. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the needs of the community be pretty basic. Some people think is like, oh, well, we shouldn't arrest anybody anymore because you're hurting African-Americans. But then you go to African-Americans, the pastors and the leaders like, no, our young people need to be disciplined. They know how to behave themselves. We just need to give them resources earlier on and help them. And, and, and but there no. still needs to be accountability. Nobody yeah. says don't arrest nobody. Nobody yep. says, you know, don't take guns off the street. Nobody says that. Yeah. But but that's what people from the outside. That's why this question, too, you know, about removing the MPD. Uh, yeah. If you look at the numbers, I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but when they went, uh, who wants less police? Uh, 75 percent of African-Americans or 78 said no, no less yeah. police. Yeah. And, and the whites were more like 50 percent. 
And yeah. then, and you know who else was about 80% was Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was like, come on, what do you, you think this yeah. is what we want? That's not what we want. I mean, there's we a got- divide. Yeah, there's a divide. And briefly, so we'll, before we pivot into your election, to kind of like uh, the, the latter 10 minutes, comment more on that faith-based, like your, I think people can learn a lot about your understanding of whether it's African-American or the Latino community and the faith-based issues and, 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 and what their, what their needs are and their values are, which might be different from what the politics might be. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Latinos and African-Americans, I mean, we fought wars together, you know, uh, during the civil, during the, um, 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 civil war. I mean, a lot of them went to Mexico because Mexico made African-Americans, uh, uh free first, Right. They were leading the charge. And so mm-hmm. we, they fought with us and, and they bled with us. They died with us. They lost with us. You know, like yeah. uh, African-Americans, uh, Cesar Chavez and Martin Luther King were great friends and they worked together. And so uh, we're really, we're really struggling with the same things, you know. Uh, uh, but the community here, the, the disparities is what needs to change. Mm-hmm. And the disparities haven't changed. In fact, I think they're almost worse now. And so you're always going to have uh, similar results when, with crime and a problem like that when you don't deal with the disparities. But why don't you want to deal with the disparities is because it's, t- it's a lot more work and it, and it takes more collaboration. And so there's this lack of collaboration between government and the church. Historically speaking, the church is the catalyst for change and inequities and yep. all that stuff. Like Martin Luther King was a pastor, you know, like, yeah. but, but for some reason in the inner city here in Minneapolis, uh, the, the parties, uh, don't want to don't want to do that because it's faith in, in church but the church the african-american church is the one that's brought change and and transformation and they're the ones that know the issue because they're the ones burying these kids they're the ones uh dealing with the families and helping them yeah. with resources like they're the ones in the front line and doing it for free and government has all this money and they want to throw it everywhere else it doesn't really work very well when they should come by behind the church and support the church and lift them up it's like this the black faith is, is an answer is the answer historically in this country to help the inequities in the community, yeah. but that's not the conversation. Yeah. And the family component you mentioned before, right. About um, the, the, the outside Absolutely. of politics, right. Is what, what, what should a family look like? And that's kind of a third rail in politics about talking about two parent families and outcomes based upon that. Right. Absolutely. Everybody here, African-American community, they're like, our parents need help. Our dads need help. Our moms need help. We need to bring them together. But the yeah. politics doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And there's lots of things, I mean, from that that don't, it's just an interesting conversation. It could be a whole other podcast is this kind of faith-based issue. And I welcome like to bring in other people as well. But I also believe there's just lots of other reasons that historically, right, from, 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 from why people went to prison for nonviolent things, why family court uh, you know, uh, hasn't valued fathers for a very long time, uh, in their role and, and, and how those, and how all these other things shape outcomes, I think, versus just saying this is, it's, it's up to them. I think there has to be a more comprehensive conversation over what are the other outside factors that are making conditions worse to, to not allow those families to reattach. <clears throat> so, but anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Man, like the old this, saying, it's, for me, it's like the old saying, right? Like if you're, if, if the African-American church is not at the table, they're on yeah. the menu. Yeah. Because they're the ones dealing with the after effects. Like right now, this past year, uh, the, the pastor's chair, my friend, 
I know them and because ministry, yeah. we, you know, we have an attachment, but they tell me, Victor, for the first time in their history here, we have the, the, the governor calling them, the mayor calling them. And like they don't know what to do. The government doesn't know what to do. And yeah. what's, what's interesting is in Los Angeles, when I was younger, that was the same situation when crime was out of control. The government didn't know what to do anymore. They went to the church, say, hey, we need yeah. you guys to get out of your building and go talk, do, you know, get in the community. Yeah. And now it's the roles are reversed. And for the first time, these pastors are telling me that Bishop Howell, for example, is a good friend of mine. He's like, Victor, for the first time, they're like the governor's like saying, what do you need? Yeah. You know, and so there's there's a change happening. That's good. And that I, I hope that you know they listen well, and I hope we could bring in the the faith community, awaken them, and, and get them really the results that, uh, that they've been asking for. Because at the end of the day, they need to be at the table with the conversations. They need to be have the voice heard, um, and, and they need to work together with government. Yeah, it's super exciting. I think there's there's, I think we're all learning how our how are, how are communities that have challenges, how are they best served and where do the ideas come from? Um, you know, there's, there's lots of ways from, you know, these top-down programs, money from someone in New York city to, are we finding the current leaders there? Are we finding the people who live in the community who are prevailing despite the challenges there in listening and working to them? So that's very hop, hopeful to know that there, there is some, some of that conversation going so let's pivot a little bit to your campaign. Um, you know, we are a political podcast, uh, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so, um, you know, just just tell us a little bit more about that. So I just want to make a brief observation that Victor ran a very grassroots campaign and, you know, running in North Minneapolis is almost the opposite of Minnetonka. I mean, he, he had YouTube videos and residents in multi, like three or four languages on his web page. Um, and working with very diverse communities all in there. So just tell us a little bit more about it. I think everyone just assumes North Minneapolis is <clears throat> everyone just votes democratic and is progressive, but it sounds like, you know, you had a lot of success. So there's, it's, it's more complicated, more nuanced than, than, than many believe. So what can we learn? Just tell us more about your election. Yeah. You know, it was uh, the biggest surprise that I had, I had, uh, you know, staunch republicans say they're voting democrat for the first time in their life because <laughs> i ran on the democratic ticket right yeah and so they're like i've never voted for a democrat but ah you're the closest i got okay right, <laughs> you know, like, and so it was it was beautiful and yeah you know i tell people I, i'm pro-life right i mean yeah. there's different shades of pro-life too as well right we i'm not i'm not on either or extreme or anything like that but yeah. But, uh, you know, you, when you're pro-life you, or if you labor yourself that way, you don't do anything politically in the city. So I had to be like, how are you? How, this is a progressive city. How do you how do you even dare run as a, you yeah. know, and, and for me to have the results that I had as a pro-life person uh, yeah. was what have made history really as yeah. one of the greatest upsets in history. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I was told by that by a lot of people and for me to be this close and, 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 and it was like, wow, people are looking like. North Minneapolis isn't all that progressive that we thought it was. Yeah. And North Minneapolis is very strong, uh, probably the most religious community in the whole city. And so if a person of faith or, or someone that's more moderate, it's going to have a chance. It's going to be here. But obviously we have the, the uh, very strong Allison name. They, they, they all live here in this ward. So it's kind of, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're the gatekeepers of, of everyone else. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're very progressive uh, people, uh, groups, uh, you know, they're good people, uh, good neighbors and everything. Uh, yeah. But uh, but the majority of people here 
they're not they're not what 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 a lot of progressives think they are they want yeah. real basic stuff uh the uh, the somali mong and latinos combined probably make up about 25 percent of the ward and so they're all more more moderate conservatives in terms of family values family structure uh-huh. they all live with their parents right they most of them are pro-life actually to be honest with you if you really talk to them and then you have the african-american community which is very similar as well then you're talking about over 60 percent of the community has more conservative or moderate values in yeah. their life right and so then you get older Afri- older white folks which is ironically what i found is the older white folks are more conservative as well <laughs> the the uh, senior yeah. caucus was yeah. like the, it's like the the moderate voice, and so they 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 they're very strong leadership here. The kind of the old guard, if you would, yeah. uh, they're more conservative, right? And yeah. so the majority of people are more moderate here in in the in the ward. It was just that really small fr- a fragment of maybe 30 percent, which tend to be like younger white folks. Um, yeah. You know, under like I literally, I kid you not, when I would go to the door and I would I would see on the list that they were like thirty year old or twenty nine year old, uh, <laughs> and I saw no signs of any kids anywhere. And, and yeah. you know, I'm like, I just knew it was like a 50 50 chance that they're gonna be like abolished police people. Yeah. And kid you not, like I had an interviewer, uh, a Sahara Journal was interviewed coming with me, and literally I told him that. And the next door, you know, twenty nine year old, and he's like, No, I'm an abolisher. I'm on an abolitionist, you know, like, yeah. they're like, wow, that's pretty real. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of the policy. And obviously those groups tend to be more extreme. So they organize very well. Yeah. Right? They, they organize very well. And that's why it sounds like they're the loudest. That's why everybody thinks that the, this group of real progressives is, is really big and powerful is because they're the loudest when they have a big microphone, blah, you know, yeah. and, and all the moderates in the city, they, they just go on in their life, in their business. They don't want to be involved. Yeah. You know, they, they don't like how dirty it is. They feel like their voice is never heard. And so nobody really tries to really give a message to them. You know, if you do get a, a more conservative person or even Republicans, there's just low quality candidates, whereas like they don't really have a lot of content. They just kind of throw their name out there. Mm-hmm. So nobody really courts the, the moderate uh, group here in the city very well, or at least in my ward. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I try to be pro- progressive in, in the new thing on, on the flyer. Yeah. So what, what would you say would be, um, you know, a, 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 a takeaway or what, what did you learn new about your community or maybe just reaffirmed everything, but yeah. what, 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 what did you learn uh, from the experience? Uh, the main thing is, is, is kind of what I mentioned, just mentioned where most people are pretty moderate folks here. Yeah. Like I even met people that were atheists, right. They don't like pastors. <laughs> I met <laughs> people that were uh, very strong feminists, right. That are, you know, a pro-choice, I let, you know, I let them know, Hey, you know, I, I might be pro-life, but I'm not the guy, you know, standing in front of a clinic, you know, stopping people from going in there. Yeah. And, and one lady was like, well, I went to the rally to support women's choice. I'm like, well, see, I don't even go to rallies. So you do more than <laughs> you do more than I do. They're like, Oh yeah. Huh. And they're like, well, yeah, I'll consider you as my second choice. You know? So uh, people are really normal, you know, besides yeah. the crazies, they're all pretty normal people. You know, they want yeah. pretty basic stuff. Yeah, and, and that's what I ran my platform on, and I think that's why I have the success because I created a, a place in our, and that's why I'm still active on on social media and my campaign page. People are like, "Oh, Victor doesn't realize a race is over," <laughs> you know. People <laughs> think that, and I'm like, I, I get it, but there's a group of people out there yeah. that have never had someone like me speak with them, 
Yeah. Never had a moderator like me that understands the, the, the social justice issues, the relationship issue with the, uh, the, the, because everything's about the African American struggle right now. Yeah. And I understand that struggle. I, I, I lived around it. I mean, I, I've seen it. I'm, I, I yeah. see the unfairness, you know, but at the same time, have more moderate views on things. And nobody's really seen that. And, and so people are like looking at me still, you know, when I post something on my, my campaign page still, I get like 500 views sometimes. And it's like, those are people that are yeah. live here. My emails, yeah. uh, when I send an email out, uh, 30%, 40% are still opening my emails. Those are people <laughs> that live here. That's, That's huge, amazing, right? Vic. Yeah. I, so that uh, my, my feedback to you is you're on to something, Victor, meaning um, who knows exactly what hat you wear, but um, I think people value you. They, <laughs> <laughs> I think they've, they've decided that you're a community hey. leader. You know, not just not just in your church, but on issues. So, um, I, it's it, it, it took a lot of a lot of hard work to get to where you are. So, I just my my hope is for your community that you stay involved. So, let let's get to then uh, maybe a final question would be is what what do we think the next chapter of Victor Martinez looks like, or still still working on it? I actually have some pretty uh, important meetings in the next month or two here uh, with uh, other candidates and. And kind of uh, the, the system, the political system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two things I learned. Number one, I, I like politics. Good. <laughs> I like politics. And then number two, it's like, I re- hey, stop it. I realize I see the need. Yeah. I see the need of someone with my voice. And yeah. so th- w- combine those two things. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going away anytime soon. And just praying and, 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 and asking for guidance from those that are my loudest supporters and figure out w- w- what they, w- what they want to see. And translating my vision for the north side at whatever level of government, whether city councils, uh, yep. you know, legislation, uh, state legislation, um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my options open. There's redistricting happening uh, in yep. the next three, four months, which could change the whole landscape of the north side just because of the growth and, and where we're at and where yep. a lot of the current council, current uh, elected officials live. Uh, things could change up really quickly. So in the next three months, I'll kind of figure out what I'm going to do. Well, Victor, you have a lot of energy, and I hope the our audience. Uh, absorb some of that because I, I felt it just, just here having the conversation with you. So um, I appreciate your time today. I want to say thank you once again. Uh, any final words before I do quick uh, outro, Victor? No, that's really it, man. Thank you for having me. And thank you for those that are listening and, and the, the moderators out there, you know, we're, we're still around. We're the loudest. Uh, we just <laughs> got to get a bigger microphone. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Victor. This has been uh, an absolute pleasure. It's been a pleasure to know you and, feel your positivity and see what you're doing in North Minneapolis for youth. Um, so if you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend. Uh, we aim here to revive the middle one podcast and one podcast share at a time, which means we need your help to do that. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. You can also find us at minnesotamoderate.com and on your, uh, your apps such as Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thank you for your time and please continue and stay tuned. Thank you.